up, everybody? It's time for another Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Keefe. Today's podcast is an interview with Tommy from Between the Berry to Me. Check it out. Ghost Cult Magazine podcast welcomes in Tommy from Between the Berry to Me. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Good. How are you? I am well, as well as can be. <laughs> in yeah. The, in this time of coronavirus craziness. Um, yeah, very weird, weird time. It is. I, I obviously, I start all these uh, without having to beat this dead horse that seems to be on everybody's mind. I do hope that everybody in the band, all your families and friends, no one has been directly affected by this uh, or just personally affected by the, the just the circumstances too horribly. Yeah, we're, we're we lucked out uh, as far as the band goes. You know, we were actually on tour in South America and Australia right when this thing kind of started. So it was weird kind of experiencing it uh, from another country standpoint, you know, right at the beginning and seeing it slowly grow into what it is now. Um, but we got home right in time. We didn't get stuck anywhere. We, you know, got to pretty much finish the tour. We only had to cancel one show. And, yeah, everybody's healthy. Nobody, you know, we're, we're way past the window. It's been about a month or more now. But, um yeah, everybody's doing good. Trying to keep in touch here and there, but everybody's you know, staying busy in their own way. Right on. I think it's uh it's also very scary because we've seen like bands that were on tour in Europe come back to the states oh, yeah. and be sick. Like yeah, uh, Testament and Death Angel had guys in the hospital and couldn't get tests yep. and even confirmations that they had it, but they clearly had it. So. This is just a, yeah. like I I know the word unprecedented is overused at this time, but it's certainly probably for most of us, uh, except for our parents or grandparents who you know we you know obviously we lived through things like nine eleven, but like nothing on this yeah. scale lasting this long, like the depression, you know, the plague. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just so weird. I think for our all our generations, you know. <clears throat> yeah, it's very it's crazy, and you know I have a I have a seven year old, so trying to kind of explain to him that this is. You know, nothing I've dealt with before is kind of always tough because, you know, they they look to us for guidance, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> and, and you know, being a parent, you're like, I don't know what's going on. You know, that's the thing. We're just kind of taking it day by day. But, but yeah, like you said, like, you know, some bands were really affected by it, you know, on a health level. And, uh, tours were canceled, obviously. You know, we have lots of dear friends that just got wrecked financially because of it. So, but... Yeah, um, it's a weird time, man. But you know. Yeah, I think we'll we'll bounce back as a people, and hopefully, we'll. I hope the music industry, especially entertainment, will need to be entertained. So I do appreciate. You know, I hope we'll bounce back. The whole industry is kind of crippled right now, which is scary. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the if you try to look at good things, one one of the good things I think is it makes us kind of realize, you know, what as humans keeps us entertain and think get keeps us happy is very important in our lives and i think music's a big part of that and, and i think people are really realizing how much they miss you know being, being able to do something as simple as going to a concert you know oh and so i'm yeah, yeah, yeah i mean, like so I yeah shows so I, much. I think, I think <laughs> once it comes back it's going to be very uh you know, people are going to be very appreciative of it almost like the appreciation i think bands get like a u.s band when you go somewhere never get to play and, and they're very appreciative you're there i feel like the u.s is kind of or being in the whole world but i mean as far as the u.s band i feel like the u.s market is going to be like 
more embracing because you know they they didn't have whatever they wanted when they had it because it was kind of taken away from them. So. Right, and uh, and I know, um, and I think also I, I ask this question usually of the you know non-U.S. bands that have to come here. It's so expensive to come here. So like yeah. the prospect of touring the U.S. when you're coming from Europe, the visa process, what, the amount of money you sink into a tour and then have it not happen is definitely, yeah. uh, you know, a Crazy. thing. And it's the same yeah. for and it's the same for our guys, although a little less so. Um, yep. In any case, speaking of appreciation, I appreciate that you and Between the Barrier to Me have this new anniversary version of the self-title album coming out. Uh, because it has made me revisit this album that I honestly probably one of my lesser listened to Between the Barrier to Me albums, but I'm getting like a real new appreciation for now, especially having got the jam, the new remixed and remastered version. So, you know, aside from anniversaries, what what an interesting time for you and the guys to sort of revisit this like building block album for you all. Yeah, it's been very been a quite the experience just because like you said i mean it's not like i mean i haven't listened to that album all the way through probably in 16 years or 17 years or something crazy like that you know so it you know we kind of when we got to the mixing stages you know you kind of had to get like new music like okay what do we want to change like how do we how does this mix sit with us um a big thing for us was not changing the album you know we wanted to just you know, basically utilize technology in, in the sense of, you know, helping clarity and, and and fix some things that we didn't really know about back then, mainly on a technical level as far as, like, Jamie King, you know, he, you know, we recorded this record in his garage in five days live. You know, it was basically a live recording outside of, you know, some lead overdubs and, you know, vocals and stuff like that. So it was a very... A wall, just kind of doing it record, you know, which which was awesome, and we didn't want to take away from that at all. You know, we didn't want to quantize things, we didn't want to change parts or make, you know, to clean up, you know, notes here and there, you know, because I think that's all a, a lot of the beauty in the album. Um, but so I think it's a great way of like just making it sound better, but it still has that quality of what it is and and where we were at that time. And, you know, just uh, the process from there until now. So it's, it's, it was a treat to kind of look back and, and experience it again, you know? Nice, man. I'm glad it was a treat and not the opposite, like nerve wracking or anything or like, oh God, why, no, no. why did I do, why did I do this? <laughs> well, you know, I think the thing for me, I mean, there's obviously things like, I mean, I, I don't really enjoy my vocals on that album. You know, there's lots of riffs that I, you know, wish I was written different, or there's, you know, lyrics that I'm like, oh, God, it's awful. But it's just, I mean, albums to me are time capsules, and, you know, I don't want to mess with that. You know, for that time period, for what kind of person I was, you know, at that age and where I was in life, you know, it's, it was perfect. Yeah, you know, I think that's a great. And, you know, we don't really think, like, well, honestly, when we, like, remix stuff, it, we're not sitting there with a fine tooth comb like we would a new album. You know, we just want it. You know, we basically just let Jamie King bring it to a you know a different level into a new life, and then kind of go from there. And he know, I mean, I think there was only maybe maybe two revisions that we had. I mean, there was hardly anything that changed once he sent it over. So nice. 
And it was, you know, not just your your first, uh, I think, full length record as this band. I think it was Jamie's yep. first real thing that put him on the map too. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that, that's what's so cool is like, it's just, you know, we, we've had a lot of growth, you know, as a band and Jamie. You know, it's been cool to kind of see his career over the years. You know, we've worked with him. I think in some capacity on every single release, and um, you know, we did our demo with him. We did, you know, obviously the first album with him. You know, he used to work at a club we played. Um, back in the day in Winston, in North Carolina. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just, he's been such a big part of the team for forever. So I'm glad. I know he, I think, I feel like he's more excited about like the remix phase, you know, to kind of get his hands on it. So it's, it's been really cool kind of doing that with him. Nice. Um, yeah, actually I had been, uh, un- years ago, I had been kind of a semi-frequent visitor to the the Carolina area, especially Raleigh, Winston, you know, Durham. And uh, yeah. there was so, you know, uh, there's such a great music scene there historically. And there's such a great scene that kind of came out of that era you guys came from. So I wanted to ask, and I know you had a band before this band formed, but, you know, what role did that scene play in kind of forming the players that would come to create this original well, I, album? Yeah, it was, I mean, I think it was like a lot of like, close-knit hardcore communities across the country, you know. Um, you know, we were in a band, Paul and I were in a band called Prayer for Cleansing, and that was the band that kind of turned into Fits Between the Bear to Me. And, you know, I was in a band called From Here On. It was a hardcore band uh, when I was in high school. And, you know, it was a very small group of people, you know. You know, the the shows, you know, you, you would go see a band that was, quote-unquote, like, huge, like Earth Crisis or VOD, but there would be, you know, 100 people there. And that was, like, a huge show, you know. It was like a very small scene, and just out of that scene, it was all these bands and all these, all these people. Um, but nobody was really trying to duplicate each other. Everybody kind of had their own thing going. You know, there was even bands like there was band Code Seven that wasn't. You know, they were a sort of a melodic hardcore band, but they turned into this like space rock thing. And you know, you have Hope Swall that was like this kind of spacey like post-hardcore thing, and then you have Undying, which is kind of a more, you know, they were like Prayer for Cleansing and Day of Suffering. It was just all this, like, really good metal and pseudo-death metal and hardcore. You know, people are mixing all these genres, and I think it just turned into, you know, this scene that was very diverse, and everybody was kind of, like, there for each other. And, and, you know, from there, you know, it it sprouted a lot of... uh, musicians and bands that kind of turned into something so yeah it was a cool cool thing to experience you know looking back i'm really glad that you know my high school years and my early 20s i got to experience that that real close-knit community and you know everybody was just they all our life was was going to shows and trying to write songs that's that's really all it was so i'm very um glad i got to experience that and it's crazy that i got to experience that with somebody i'm still playing music with 20 years later you know so that is awesome man and i'm glad to hear it that that's the feeling you're walking in and away from this with um as a listener and like i said i also revisited this record i probably hadn't listened to it for a long long time and uh coming back to it you know definitely there's things that are like indicative of the start of the band and it is like you mentioned there's like that hardcore influence and there's breakdowns and your vocals are brutal 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 but there's also like a lot of foreshadowing of where the band was going to go years later i love 
yeah. uh, you know, Aspirations and Fire for a Dry Mouth and Cut a Flip. Those are songs that are really interesting to me now. Looking back, I'm like, wow, yeah. I hear things that you had those same kind of like, oh, look at that. Like we were kind of telegraphing the future a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that, that was the thing is like when we started this band, we, we knew we wanted to be a heavy a metal band, you know, but we wanted to start somewhere we weren't stuck in any sort of genre. We, we wanted to, you know, because we liked all this different kind of music. You know, Paul grew up, you know, he loved Smashing Pumpkins and we loved all this other stuff. And it's like, why can't we incorporate? you know, these other influences in our music, you know, there weren't a whole lot of bands doing that in the heavy music world. So we're like, at least where we were, you know, what we were exposed to. And, you know, we did like try with, with our, you know, the best of our ability to, to do these kind of different things here and there, but still keep, you know, the aggressiveness intact and make it somehow kind of part of our sound. And it wasn't something we really analyzed too much. It was just kind of something that came out of us. But yeah, like, look, Listening back to like Chevenel, for instance, like the like quote unquote jazz scene where we had like the fake crowd and the glasses clinking together and like it was such a kind of a weird thing for us to do, especially in that time period. Um, but it's like you said, it was almost foreshadowing to like what we're going to become as a band, just being very adventurous and you know. And I think we slowly did that each record, and we just got better and better at it and more comfortable in our own skin, and then. Eventually, we just, you know, once we got, you know, with Alaska, we got the new lineup and, you know, we have all these new guys coming in with all these very different ideas and it just really opened us up to be what we are today. So, yeah, I mean, looking back, it's been a, I don't know, it, it's cool to hear that we still had that in us back then. Like, there was always that need for pushing boundaries and not being the same old, you know, hardcore band or metal band. You know, even when I look back at, like, our first promo picture, it's like, we didn't look like, like, we look like a bunch of nerds, like, <laughs> you know, and that wasn't, like, cool back then, you know, and even, like, when I think about playing keyboards, like, that was such a lame thing for a band like us back then. You know, keyboards were something that people didn't incorporate with heavy music outside of maybe some, like, black metal stuff, you know, so it, it's kind of cool to see all these, like, things we added to our music that was not really a cool thing to do but it eventually turned into kind of something that's such a big part of us it's cool think about all that nice also i have to chime in and say that i love the uh mention of the jazz club and the clinking glasses because i think that's the kind of bands that heard like silent circus and then tried to become like a bt band band (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know one thing i also wanted to single out about re-listening to this is right out of the gate even though, like I said, like stylistically, you were of the time and of your roots. But I think like vocally and lyrically, you came very, you know, fully formed. You may not think so now, but I feel like a lot of your stuff was there that's still there today. Um, your range and your choices like as a, as a singer. So I kind of wanted to ask you to get back in that mindset from when you were making that record and kind of like what you said, you obviously had a, an array of influences all over the band, but like, what were you, who were you inspired by as a singer? Not just the hardcore stuff, but the, you know, the more melodic and rock stuff. Well, especially in the first album, singing was like an afterthought. It wasn't really, it wasn't a part of me at that point. You know, I was still, like originally I was going to be the guitarist for Between the Bear to Me. And, you know, a lot of that record I was running with Paul kind of, just, I mean, just thinking about guitar, just thinking about the songs, and just wondering about that. We were 
kind of trying to find a singer here and there. And eventually, you know, I, I sung in a hardcore band in high school, and, and Paul was like, dude, I like your voice. You know, we had a buddy that was really good at guitar, so I was like, all right, I'll sing. And it was just one of those things where I didn't really even, I didn't know what I was doing, like, at all. I mean, it was all very natural to me. You know, like I said, I'd done a little bit in the past, but as far as lyrics and, and, and uh, you know, arranging vocals to music, it was all just kind of figuring it out on the fly. Um, I, I have no idea what my process was back then. I, I mean, I, I don't even really... I remember writing songs and guitar riffs and stuff like that, but I don't remember writing vocals or writing lyrics or anything like that, which is weird. But yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have like, I didn't know uh, what to write about. I didn't have like a style. I didn't, it was all so new to me. And I just kind of like dove right into it because I, I had to. And I, it was just kind of my duty at that point. And, you know, it, Looking back, there there were some kind of cool choices, and there were some not so good choices. But you know, it, it was I'm glad that I like took that risk. You know, and I think I've taken that risk up till now. Like I'm still learning a lot of new things. And, um, but yeah, I mean, just as far as back then, it was like a definitely an afterthought, which is it's weird to think because obviously now it's not at all an afterthought. It's, you know, it's, it's my main thing. So yeah. Right. Nice, nicely said. Uh, is there a song now that, you, having gone through this process for the remix and the remaster, that you appreciate or, uh, you know, kind of reloved again now as a result of this process? Well, there was, there was a lot of songs like kind of some of the more deeper cuts that I kind of forgot about, like "Use of a Weapon," and you know, there were some things that just kind of jumped out. And you're like, oh, that, you know, that part is really cool. And you know, there's obviously things that, you know, that kind of dear to you, near and dear to you, and, you know, like, in the show of an hour, I still think it's one of the most beautiful things Paul's written ever, um, you know, there's that whole end chord progression, is just phenomenal, and, you know, there's a, there's a breakdown in Arsonist that was one of the first things I ever wrote with Paul, and it's just, you know, you know, you just think about those things, it's pretty cool to kind of look back and be like, oh, that's another lifetime, it's just crazy to think about where we were then compared to now. Because Arsonist, a fun fact, was actually, we wrote that before Between the Burning Forms. That was a, a Prayer for Cleansing song originally. And then, you know, once Prayer broke up and we started BTM, like that was like one of our first tracks that we kind of got together. So it's kind of crazy. I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, learned something today. Uh, um, a few things. Um <laughs> One thing that I really like about this approach, and you know, I, I I would say, you know, I know the band has always honored their whole history. You guys have done whole albums and concert and stuff like that. What I like about, uh, you know, the approach to bringing an album like this, sort of uh, returning it with a new in a new form, is when you partner with somebody like Kraft, who's a great label for this. You get to do like the clear vinyl and new liner notes, and you know, really give something to your diehard fans who are gonna buy this thing. So about that part of the process in terms of like the packaging and the layout, like uh, was there a thought about keeping it kind of true to the original or did you guys want to like, you know, put it together in a real special way in as like a new thing? We, we kept it to the original. Yeah. I mean, the thing for us, we just, you know, it's more about the music for us. Just, uh, yeah, we didn't really reimagine any of the layouts or anything because I don't know. I think the layouts are special for what they are, and I think they represent the albums, you know, the way they should be. So, 
Yeah, we, we didn't really mess with that stuff much. Uh, it was more just focused on the music side of it. Killer. Um, and again, I, uh, if I fail to mention, I know that's coming out on May 15th. The pre-orders are out now. I'm sure I'll have the links to all of that in this uh, podcast episode. Um, I, I obviously everything is up in the air right now. I know you guys had a huge tour planned and I, you know, you have performed whole albums live before. Was there a thought about performing yeah. the whole debut live? Uh, we have not thought of that. No, <laughs> it's not something that we planned, you know? Yeah. Right now we're just, you know, we're looking forward to doing this great in the threat tour, uh, evening with thing. Yes. And, as as every tour right now, it's it's on the back burner. So yeah, right. we're 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 gonna do it, but when and when it's gonna happen is the question. So it is it is uh, kind of amazing. It is kind of amazing to me that over the years you guys have become kind of brothers in a sense of like not not so much stylistically obviously, but like a dream theater or a tool where you kind of exist in your own bubble and you can can you could perform anything you want from your career. And the fans will just lose their shit because they, you know, I think it's a, a yeah. credit to I mean, you guys. We're, yeah, we're so lucky that we we have opportunities like that. Yeah, like, I mean, for instance, the evening with thing. You know, we we did some shows last year in Europe and this year in Australia. You know, it was a real hard thing for us to be confident in and decide to do it because we were we were like, do people, you know, do our fans want to sit through that much of our music? You know. And, and once we did it, it was such a good experience every night. I mean, even if a show was small, you know, it, it the vibe was just so intense because, you know, they're there just for you. And so that's what, I think that's one of the the hardest things right now is knowing we have this tour on the horizon that it's selling really well, that isn't evening with. We know the vibe is just going to be unreal every night and not being able to do it. I think that's the tough thing. But, I mean, like you said, yeah, we're just in a very unique and lucky position to be able to have fans that will endure that kind of, you know, set and welcome it. So, yeah. Nice. Was there any? I, I love that you talked about the confidence and how how frank you are and candid about those things. But uh, was there? You know, obviously, when you go from performing an hour to an hour and a half to more than that, obviously, there's a concern about how many dates is this tour and what's my endurance going to be like. Obviously, Australia is usually only like six to ten dates because of the nature of the country. But you know, if you're yeah. doing that over America, that's like seventy, eighty dates over two months. You know, three months. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the upcoming upcoming tours. You know, it's a really long one. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of, I you know, from a personal standpoint, I prepare for it. Almost. I mean, I normally don't prepare more than just like getting everything ready, practicing with the guys, maybe a couple of times, and that's that. Like, like for these shows, I like it's like a week and a half of going through the set full volume, like getting it ready so sorry I just walked up a big hill <laughs> I'm out of shape but yeah I mean it's it's like a you, know, you have to really consider all that stuff and, you know the Australia for instance like you said it wasn't a whole lot of shows but we were like flying every day jet lagged and then we went right to South America so you have to really worry about like physical fatigue and being able to play these songs well and because the last thing you want to do is a two-hour set and have like shit, you know. Of course, of course. Uh, and then just as a final que uh, question or a question and a half, 
Um, looking forward, obviously, right now everything is uncertain. Are you guys staying connected? I know a lot of bands are doing a, like a lot of stuff with the fans with Q and A's and live streams. Uh, are you guys doing any of that right now, or have plans to? Yeah, I mean, we're, I know some of the guys have twitches, and you know, we've we've been pretty kind of been laying low, I guess, you know, on social media. I think we're all just kind of involved in our own lives right now, just kind of figuring it all out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think as time goes on, we'll probably hopefully get a little more involved in all that. But yeah, it's just a, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think finding the right way to do it and just, uh, I think for us, we're just, we're really just kind of waiting to see what the future holds for us, you know, because, you know, we want to do this tour. So I, th- I think as long as people know that we're going to do it, I mean, that, that's the main thing for us. But, you know, we'll... We'll try to be doing a, you know, we did some Q&A, we did the live coma clip a couple of weeks ago where we chatted with the fans and stuff, and that was really cool, you know. You can tell people are eager for that kind of stuff right now, so. They we are, it's like, a, about it, but, it's know. a music nerd's dream right now. <laughs> I'm yeah, lo- I can't saying. leave the house, and my favorite bands are coming online and just doing all kinds of deep cuts with yeah. me, telling me everything I ever wanted to know and answer every question. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's been some really cool stuff online for sure. Never in my life has being a nerd paid off as much as right now about this <laughs> stuff. Um, and then just as for a final thing, uh, obviously you don't need a quarantine to be a creative person all the time. I'm sure new music is at least in your mind or you know, you guys are you know yeah. working on your craft. Do you think that this period of time is going to bear any fruit for us? some new solo music from you? Or I know you guys were kind of you know game planning a new record at some point too, so... Yeah, we're still kind of trying to figure all that out. I mean, the thing is, I, I try to write a lot anyway, even when nothing's on the horizon. Uh, you know, something kind of pops in or an idea starts to happen. Yeah, you know, so I've tried to utilize this time to kind of create some stuff. But it's weird when you're when you're in a situation where you're just kind of stuck. Sometimes it's hard to. I mean, in any line of work or anything where you're trying to be creative, sometimes it's hard to wake up and kind of get in that mindset to, to get it done. You know, so. You know, some days are easier than others, but, you know, I'm, you know, I got a seven-year-old and we have to be school teachers now, so right. <laughs> I'm dealing with that and, you know, yeah, try, try, trying to be creative when I can, but I I don't want to force it just because I'm in this situation, you know, so I want to, but I think, I think in general, you know, the whole quarantine and just this year in general, I think it's going to create a lot of good art just because shit's weird now and, you know, be, you know, a lot of stuff's uneasy, people are angry, and I think all that combined makes uh, good art. So hopefully there'll be a lot of uh, good music and creative things happening out of all this going on. Nice, man. I love the PMA on the way out the door. I really appreciate it. Tommy, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, and uh, looking forward to this self-titled Between the Buried to Me reissue coming out May 15th from Craft Recordings. Uh, good luck, be Thank safe, you, be healthy, good luck with everything, and I hope we'll see you on the other side of this thing on stages where you awesome belong. You too, man. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also, check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally, check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.